What's going on, family? Happy Friday, TGIF, and welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hits. I would be GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Listen, we've made it to the end of another week. That alone is time to pause for the cause and celebrate. So absolutely make plans today to do something fun to celebrate the victory. You've won, family. You have made it to the weekend. So there's definitely a lot of reason to celebrate. Thank you to everybody who joined us by way of social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. We greatly appreciate you. Those of you who are listening to us right now and subscribe to our podcast, thank you so very much. We could not do what we do without you. So we appreciate you in a significant way. If you are not following us, just go ahead and find us at The Faction Show on the socials. And if you're not subscribed, click the subscribe button as well. It makes a world of difference. So we've got quite a few things to connect with today. First of all, let's take a look at what's happened in NXT and in AEW this week. NXT drew in 761,000 viewers this week, which is up roughly 2.3% from last week's 744,000 viewers. So we're seeing an uptick of about 17,000 viewers. It was a big, big night for NXT as we saw NXT bookended by two incredible matches. First, there was the Falls Count Anywhere match between Isaiah Swerve Scott and Leon Ruff. And then there was the women's tag team title match that took place that saw the way Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell defeat Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon to become the new women's tag team champions, the third women's tag team champions since the creation of that title. And uh, that title is only a couple of months old. So it could mean a number of things, but what it definitely means is that these two who are a great tag team, I'm guessing will be tag team champions for quite some time to come. Meanwhile, on AEW side, they had a big, big night. Blood and Guts, their version of War Games, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but for AEW, another million dollar night, or at least million viewer night, as they brought in 1.09 million viewers, which is up from last week's 889,000 viewers, so we're talking about a win of about 101,000 viewers week over week. Of course, it was headlined by the Blood and Guts match, which saw the pinnacle defeat the inner circle. With that said, a big congratulations also to AEW because it was a big first for them. It's the first night that they came in as the number one show on cable TV this past Wednesday. That is absolutely huge. So congratulations to AEW on this absolutely mammoth feat. Uh, certainly it wasn't their biggest ratings pop, but again, anytime you get over a million in these streets, it is absolutely cause for celebration. So congratulations to AEW. Now with that said, I thought it was a great card start to finish, but the ending, and this seems to be unfortunately a thing with AEW that we've seen lately. We saw it at the uh, pay-per-view back in March. We're seeing it again now. It's kind of like you get to that last moment 
that moment that's supposed to be for the highlight reel, and it just doesn't seem to happen well. So, of course, a couple of months ago, with the Revolution pay-per-view, with the exploding death bomb match, which honestly, you know, the match was supposed to go 30 minutes before everything blew up, so I kind of figured when it didn't go the full 30, okay, we're not going to get that blow-up moment, but that's okay, like that's not the end of the world. Well, then, of course, we get the blow-up moment, and it was pop, pop, fizz, fizz, didn't do what we expected it to do. So, in my mind, I don't know how they recover from that, but obviously, they did some things. We forgot about it. Now, it's time for blood and guts, and I don't know that there was the expectation from fans watching blood and guts that somehow we'd end up at the top of the cell. Remember, in a war game scenario, there never was anybody at the top of the cell. Everything happened inside of the cage. It was really only hell in a cell where we saw somebody hit the top of the cage. And then, of course, we all remember the Undertaker Mankind moment. And let me just say, WWE tried to recreate that in a couple of ways. And every time they tried, it didn't work. I think back to that six-man match that they had for the WWE Championship where Kurt Angle literally fought a who's who in WWE and it ended up with Rikishi taking the fall. But what happened was they had moved a truck out. The truck had hay in it to soften the blow of the fall. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to see major injuries in the sport. But I do think that if we're going to pull off things of that nature, then it absolutely has to look dangerous. And what happens is Chris Jericho takes the fall, but it becomes very, very clear that when he falls, that this is some super soft thing that's supposed to look hard. And it's, oh, man. Oh, so... I won't say it's a gripe I have with AEW. I will say that AEW has to figure out how in the world to, on one hand, keep your folks safe if you're going to try these death-defying types of situations. With that said, maybe we don't need the death-defying situations. After all, it's the first time we've seen a War Games or Blood and Guts match in AEW. There was a lot of blood. There was a lot of violence. The ring got ripped apart. There were enough things that happened in that match that did not require anybody going to the top and falling off. Even the idea that the match ended up being stopped because the pinnacle used Jericho kind of as a prop to say, hey, you know, if you don't quit, I'm going to throw him off. So he quit. I get it. And I get the idea of MJF pushing him off to get more heat. I get it. But it's got to be executed well. So not that I'm in a position to advise AEW, but I will simply say we've had two situations that we can account for that didn't exactly go according to plan. Maybe we need to figure out either how not to do this and how to get the type of reaction and response we want without those things or figure out a way to execute. But it cannot be blood and guts and all sorts of craziness and then we get to the end and it literally falls flat. 
Those are my thoughts. But I'd love to hear what you thought of Blood and Guts. And this week in both AEW and NXT, I think it was a successful week for both. And they're gearing up for big shows next week as there are three title matches on NXT next week. Meanwhile, an IWGP US title match is happening on AEW this coming week, which is going to be exciting to see John Moxley defend that title against Yuji Nagata. First time Nagata's in AEW, certainly not his first time in the States as he spent a lot of time in WCW as a younger wrestler. Couple that with the first time that the IWGP US Championship is being defended outside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So lots of firsts. Those are the kinds of things that excite me and I look forward to seeing what both AEW and NXT bring to the table next week. More AEW news and this is a big piece of news. Now, for all of the things that I said in terms of AEW, how they haven't been able to finish well, they certainly have been leading the charge in this pandemic era of pro wrestling. They were the first to decide to make their camera shot not on the empty seats, but on the stage such that we would forget the empty seats. They were the first to actually have people around ringside. They were the first in American promotions to welcome fans back in a major company. But of course, they did that at first 10% capacity, 15% capacity. When we were at Revolution, it was at 25% capacity. Well, this week, what an announcement. As Tony Khan was on Busted Open Radio to make this announcement, and that is is that the double or nothing pay-per-view on May the 30th will run at full capacity. It was also mentioned that there will be a house show the Friday prior to the event and a fan fest on the Saturday prior to Double or Nothing, which is why AEW will have Double or Nothing happening on Sunday. AEW, of course, held their first house show during WrestleMania weekend, which was also on a Friday night. And the maximum attendance for Daly's Place is 5,500. That is pretty major, to say the least. So, I think a lot of things are getting ready to happen relative to AEW, but also relative to wrestling welcoming fans back at full capacity. So once again, here's what's happening in AEW. Double or nothing, the pay-per-view will run at full capacity. 5,500 fans participating at the end of this month. Also, it's going to be a full weekend. That Friday night's going to be a house show. Saturday's going to be a fan fest. And then, of course, the Double or Nothing pay-per-view taking place on Sunday. So, will you be going to Double or Nothing? Are you interested in going to a wrestling event with that many people at full capacity in still what many consider to be these pandemic streets? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And, of course, you can reach out to us at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Attention wrestling fans, Southern Honor Wrestling returns to the Action Building Friday, May 7th for SHW 27. Witness SHW's first ever bunkhouse brawl match as the team of fear takes on David Ali and Austin Towers. The real mean girl, Danny Jordan, makes her long-awaited return to action as she faces off against Catalina Perez. Owen Knight looks for payback as he takes on the outlandish Zicky Dye. Lethal Poison defend their tag team titles against the winner of Technical Excellence versus the Honor Society. 
Also in action, AC Mack, Ashton Starr, Ben Buchanan, and a battle between two horses as William Huckabee and Cyrus the Destroyer finally meet one-on-one. Tickets on sale the night of the show starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. You don't want to miss this show. SHW, this is our wrestling. Before we go, last night was the official season premiere of season three of Dark Side of the Ring. Now, last weekend, they released part one of this two-part episode about Brian Pillman. They released that on the Vice TV app. You could also check it out on their YouTube page as well. Part one and part two officially premiered last night. And while we wait for the ratings of that, let me just tell you the success of the Dark Side of the Ring franchise. Obviously, this was a big, big scenario, and I'll talk about the Brian Pillman story in a minute, but we found out last night that Dark Side of the Ring has now spawned a spinoff, and that spinoff is Dark Side of Football. So if you're a football fan, tune in next Thursday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, immediately following Dark Side of the Ring for the premiere of Dark Side of Football as they take a look at the behind the scenes and darker side of what's going on in the NFL. This is a big deal. Because it's been a long time since we've seen the success of a wrestling show be so great that it spawns shows in other sports. This is huge. Shout out to Vice TV and all of the creators of Dark Side of the Ring and all of us as wrestling fans who have supported this show because it is absolutely major to see what's happening. With that said, the story of Brian Pillman. Wow. I'll not give away too many spoilers in case you haven't seen it, but I will say it is a gut-wrenching story, certainly worthy of the two-part episode that it received, from the rise of his career to the fall of it. And I will say this, I do remember, of course, Flying Brian in WCW. I remember Flying Brian as part of the Hollywood Blondes. I remember him as part of the Horseman as the Loose Cannon. But his WWE days... I remember them briefly. I remember him entering WWE. Of course, we all remember uh, the whole gun incident at his home, but I didn't remember the matches that he had. And now I understand why. It's a compelling story. If you've not watched it, by all means, check it out. It might even be worth us doing a full episode dedicated to what's going on with Brian Pillman. Uh, just an incredible story. So if you have seen it, we have a space for you on our social media space to let us know what you think about it. We did a post earlier today. So go ahead and, and check it out. Comment on that and let us know if you watched Dark Side of the Ring last night and what your thoughts were on the story. Speaking of stories, remember this Sunday night, it's biography on A&E, a look at the life of Booker T. And then from there, Booker T will also be the subject of the whole most valuable pieces in wrestling, wrestling's lost treasures. I, I get the name wrong and I apologize, but I do watch it and love the show. So definitely go ahead and check it out on A&E. 
fantastic things there. If you're here in the Atlanta area tonight, it's going to be amazing. SHW 27 is going down. I'm super excited. I will be there along with my broadcast partner, Brandon Benefield. We're going to have an amazing time tonight. You can check us out for the Facebook Live pre-show at 7 p.m. Eastern at facebook.com slash Southern Honor Wrestling. In addition to that, tickets are available at 5 p.m. Eastern at the door. Bell time is at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you're not able to be there, you can check it out on IWTV next week. So be on the lookout for that. But if you are in the house, please come by and say hi. I would love to see you, meet you, chat with you, take pictures, all of those cool kinds of things. I'm looking forward to what should be an amazing night in Southern Honor Wrestling tonight. With that said, I got to get out of here because we got a show tonight. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope to see you there. Until then, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, my name is Gerard Bonner, and we call this The Faction. Have a great weekend. Salute my people, here we go.